Howdy, partners. My name is Sheriff... Lisa Simpson. I sure am hungry for my favorite food. McNuggets. I don't like McNuggets. I'm a vegetarian. Do? Then you're not going to like your other present. Why, it's my best friend. Maggie! Huh? <laughs> Bad news, Sheriff. Lisa Simpson. Some Indians took all the... McNuggets. Mmm, McNuggets. I'll get those no-good Indians, just as sure as my favorite book is... Magazines! Wake up, Dad. <laughs> what? Dad, that information is all wrong. Maggie's a baby, not my best friend. You don't know anything about me. <laughs> <laughs> Maggie, you're her best friend. Go talk to her. Four-finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Finger Discount. This week we are here to review episode EABF03. It is the dad who knew too little. I'm Dando. I am Guy. How you doing today, Dando? It's, I'm doing it's, quite well. It's 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 the, it's the dawn of a new era here in Australia, at least, or in Victoria, at least. It's daylight savings time, which uh, I don't know gets a lot of people up in arms. I personally don't mind it. Or some people just don't get up, apparently, as you were just telling me off the air. <laughs> I, that was our secret. No. <laughs> Monday morning, meant to be at work at uh, eight a.m. Log in for the bit of the remote shift. What time does guy wake up? Quarter to nine. <laughs> but uh, luckily, our very understanding bosses who uh, have recognised that most of the time I will step into the virtual office three or four minutes early. So I think I'd banked enough time. <laughs> they said we'll give him forty minutes leeway and not say anything. And hopefully, if he doesn't show up by nine, we might give him. We might. Uh, Knock on his door, virtually speaking. <laughs> make but sure he's not dead. Yeah. No, make sure he's not dead. Oh, tell you what, slept well last night though, so. Yeah, I had a really good sleep last night as well. So that's what I've been doing lately. So I've been going to bed earlier, waking up about the same time. And for some reason, I feel refreshed. It's, it's a weird concept, this Wait thing, a sleep. minute. Are you telling me that you're <laughs> sleeping a little longer and feeling a little better as it's, a result? Who would have thought it? I just, I never realized. People keep telling me all these years, you know, sleep makes you feel better. I'm like, nah, it's bullshit. That's true. <laughs> I also am feeling a little bit uh, sorry for myself because I was chopping up some chicken before Ooh. and I was too busy checking out my wife, Nicola, and I cut my thumb. So, there you go. Listeners, he, um, the price he pays for having a, an attractive wife. <laughs> and and poor chicken chopping skills. Exactly right. He's got a nice little festive uh, <laughs> band-aid on his thumb. It looks two. Sort of, yeah. Two, is it green? Two band-aids. It it's green. green and white, yeah. Oh. Delightful. <laughs> Checking out your wife and cutting off your thumb. Hilarious. So this episode here, The Dad Who Knew Too Little, I remember we did a Zoom call with the patrons, which we do the first Monday of every month for our exclusive for our patrons. We, hey, and they'll, they'll that's tell today, me, by the way. That first. is today, yes. First Monday of the month, so October the 4th, as we record this. So uh, they told us that they were really looking forward to hearing our review of this episode. They thought this is one of the better ones of season 14. So I went into it with higher expectations. I didn't think it was as good as what I expected it was going to be. It was better than most of the episodes that have come before it in this season. It was fine. The only thing with it is there's a bit of a rehash of a story we've seen time and time before with Lisa not falling out of love with Homer, but Homer doing something and him, her going, you don't know me at all, and Homer having to prove his love to Lisa, and eventually she falls in love with him, blah, blah, blah. We've seen this time and time again, the um, the 
cutting the cable when Homer gets a legal cable when he's using her to bet on football. Uh, home R is kind of another one. Oh, she doesn't really fall yeah. out of. That's kind of a, a home. It's a bit of a, there, it's but, a twist on the theme. Yeah, yeah. But I just thought, you know, where this is going. It just sort of whilst the story was good, there was nothing that was unpredictable about it. You knew where it was going to end up, which is, I guess, is fine in comedy. It doesn't have to always be unpredictable. But it just sort of felt like, ah, oh, we've been here, done this. True, and if you are doing variations on a theme, and yeah, I think we're probably up to the maybe the fourth or fifth version of. Homer being insensitive towards his daughter, his daughter getting <laughs> justifiably upset, and Homer doing everything in his power to make it right. Yeah, we all know where it's going to end up. You are correct, Dan. It's going to end up with a bit of a resolution, a bit of a, a warm, fuzzy hug. If you're going to take that road, take some detours. You know, take the scenic route sometimes. Take us in a, in a different direction. Take us someplace new. Even if we end up back at home, that's fine. Looking forward to it. There's no place like home, as they say. But, yeah, there's only so many times you can go through the motions before you start to think, mm, don't know, man. Let's uh, let's shake things up a little bit. We did get something different in this aspect, uh, in this episode, sorry, with the, the Dexter cult. So Homer's never hired a private investigator to, to spy on Lisa. I didn't mind Hekazara's portrayal of Dexter cult. So it's a take on two famous actors, which I'm assuming you'll get into in a little bit, little bit yeah? At least one of them, yeah. <laughs> because the design was based on somebody as well. But I didn't mind that. But it just still, like I said, the story just felt a little bit like, yeah, rehashed. Yeah, look, I like the, the private eye angle aspect of it. Uh, and yeah, I really liked Hank's performance. I thought it was pretty funny, pretty enjoyable. Mm-hmm. But I think I, I reached maybe the 20-minute mark of this episode where it's almost over and going, Oh, are we nearly at the end? Because this doesn't really seem to have... It's moved along, of course, as stories do, but not in a way that's kind of interesting or compelling. No, <laughs> see, I, I, I had here the ending felt a little rushed. Dexter has Homer trapped in the Hall of Mirrors. He, shot, he shoots him. Mm. Homer then goes, Oh, Lisa has great hearing. She once heard me sobbing in a cupboard or something when she was younger. And all of a sudden, that's what where Lisa goes, Oh my God, Dad, you do know me. But it's th- I'm thinking, yeah, but... You didn't know he'd hired a private investigator. Mm-hmm. And only in the second act, when Homer started going, I know your favorite song, I know this, you were going, yeah, well, it's going to take more than that. And then just because the, the it's convenient for the story at the end, he remembers something else about her and she goes, oh my God, you do know something about me. It's like, well, he's already listed off several things earlier and they mm. weren't good enough. What? <laughs> yeah, I get where you're coming from. Uh, it did feel rushed and jumbled. Look, it's it's not a bad episode, as you said. It's it's perfectly no, fine. Enough. It's perfectly okay, mm-hmm. but ultimately forgettable. I'm going to say. Yeah, it's it's just sort of again. That's purely because it doesn't doesn't feel like an original story. Hmm. Hey, my favorite. So, what was your favorite moment from the episode, Mister Davis? Uh, I got one or two in here. I've got to say, yeah. Uh, the family watching the video that they've made with the Lisa's Sheriff Lisa and Homer just continually fucking up what Lisa likes. I just love McNuggets. <laughs> <laughs> just getting absolutely fixated on McNuggets. I thought that was pretty funny. I had a yeah, lot yeah. of laughs through that one. Um, and I'm always happy when Elliot Gould shows up in just about anything, whether it's Friends or the Ocean's Eleven movies or even revisiting his old movies from the 70s. One of which he names here with his fists. He does indeed, with uh, the wife-swapping comedy drama Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice. Yeah, but uh, I'm always happy when he shows up, even briefly like this, and especially when he gets to punch Krusty around for poor 
homeowner and neighbourly behaviour. So yeah, I got a couple of kicks out of that bit. What about you, man? I enjoyed the. I'm not sure what they actually use, but blackening their hair and the face and mm. everything. So put, <laughs> putting on these glasses, you charge how much for a room? room. But I like the the Elvis, and then the fact that they washed off, it, it <laughs> fell off his head. It looked like old Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> I must admit the uh, the painting onto the glasses, but then the eyebrows was the was the kicker. That was a good bit. I did enjoy that. I did enjoy how Matt Salmon, who wrote this episode, who still works for the show, great man, he created the email chunkylover fifty three at aol dot com purely to see if people would respond to it. Oh, and the inbox was immediately foot filled once this episode aired, and for a while there he would respond to people as Homer, and then he sort of what he did was he got sick of that, so he just created like an automated response. And then he got sick of that and he was just like, fuck this. <laughs> so <laughs> what I'm going to do is I'm going to send an email during this podcast to chunkylover53 at AOL.com and let's see if I do get a response. And I'll let you guys know on next week's podcast if Homer or Matt does get back to me. Very good idea. I did like that this really nailed that very early 2000s thing of people thinking that email was a bit of a novelty. Mm. You know, it was like um, CB radios or something. Yeah. So you... You called yourself Rubber Ducky. And when you came up with an email <laughs> handle, you know, it was never like Guy Davis at gmail.com.au. It was always kind of like, hey, it's smooth lover at whatever. It's ne- never professional. Yeah. Never professional. <laughs> I, um, I, if for you listeners out there, if you want to email my old email, and if I eventually log into it, I may respond to you. It's purple monkey dishwasher underscore 89 <laughs> at hotmail.com.au. And I remember being livid, right? That's 88 people had beat me to it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I thought, oh, no one's going to have this. Purple Monkey Dishwasher, one of the greatest Simpsons references of all time. 88 people. I'm like, oh, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> I think my online handle on very, in various chat rooms and message boards and that was um, Tommy Five Tone. What's that? I, t- I don't know the reference, sorry. That's, uh, <laughs> it was a very nerdy reference. It was, uh, from, it was a character in the, in the Bruce Willis movie Hudson Hawk. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was um, he was Bruce's offsider, his sort of his, his best mate in Hudson Hawk. You're a big fan of Bruce Willis, aren't you? I am. I- I'm not necessarily saying you are now, but back in the day, you seemed like you were. I can imagine you having a Bruce Willis poster on your wall. I did. <laughs> <laughs> not a big one. I just a uh, pick I'd ripped out of a magazine, thinking role model. That's my <laughs> that's my guy. <laughs> you sp- you were mentioning um, Elliot Gould as well before and how we all love when he makes a guest appearance on anything so he mentioned earlier before he was on this show that he was a big fan of The Simpsons which is why they invited him in because I mean who isn't a fan of Elliot Gould very true it's funny I mean now we sort of reala- uh, regard it as a bit of a you know grand old man or showbiz veteran or something like that Elliot Gould was really like one of the biggest movie stars in Hollywood in the 1970s. Was he really? Yeah, he okay. Was... I've, I see, I've only ever grew up with him being Monica and Ross's dad. <laughs> Next question. You there, eating the paste. Alrighty, so trivia for the dad who knew too little. Hit me with your first question, Mr. Davis. Oh, I've got a few here. So mm-hmm. uh, let's go with name two of mm-hmm. Rod's hobbies. Diabetes. <laughs> I'll try and name all three. Diabetes was the last one. Mm-hmm. Clapping along to songs. Yes. And being quiet on trips. You are correct, sir. You got all three. Well done. I just love that. Diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> My first question is, who does the girl in the commercial have a crush on? What is the child's name? Oh, it's Kenny. What a Kenny. douche. What a wanker. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that guy. Your next question. What is Lisa's pet peeve? Phonies. Yeah. I thought she loved them. <laughs> 
See, the thing, what I will say about this episode, right, is that I feel like Bart is the villain here. Because Bart was there, right? Bart was the filter to prevent Homer from doing this fucking videotape. Yeah, true. (laughs) So, So Homer... I know he wasted time eating all the free samples and stuff, so that's the reason that they sold out, apparently, of, of the diaries before he got there. But Homer was still... He thought, in his heart of hearts, he was doing the right thing. He wasn't... It wasn't like him buying Marge the bowling ball with Homer yeah. written on it. <laughs> this was him thinking he was buying Lisa a kick-ass present. Bart's there the whole time with a big grin on his face. He's the villain. He's the one that should have gone, Dad, she'd rather nothing than this. Yes, <laughs> she's a terrible enabler. But, yes, exactly. But also, who could blame Homer when when free samples are in your way? You're not going to stop. Oh, of course not. I can't remember the last time I've tried a free sample. We used to go to the supermarket, and there'd always be a, a, a man or a lady there standing with a little cart with some free samples. Yeah. Maybe little, COVID related. I don't know. I think it might be. Yeah, but always the little trolley with like the mini toasts with a yep. bit of pate or something, and like sliced up cabana or something. Oh yeah. Well, they still have that at uh, the butcher that I go to. Ooh. Every once in a while, they'll have the tray on top of the uh, on top of the counter with yeah yeah try some of our hot salami or yeah some form of exotic European sausage I'm like hell yeah I will <laughs> I really like when you go to Baker's Delight and they have these little samples of the cheese and bacon rolls or yeah. whatever just chopped up gimme 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 <laughs> <laughs> or around Easter when they've got little, like the hot cross bun samples Ooh, also yes, awesome true and they have, I think they have mince pie at Christmas time Hmm. Okay. It's pies what they have anyway. <laughs> Clearly, it's it's we're in that midsection between lunch and dinner as we record this. So <laughs> me so hungry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, your next question for me. What is the name of Lou's ex-wife? It's Amy. Correct. Yes, pulling funny faces on the was it the news report? Yeah, the news report. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, who declared the bridge outstanding? Damn, I didn't pay attention to that. What was it? <laughs> it's Overpass Monthly. Oh, there you go. I thought that gag was going to be once it revealed it saying Bridge out of town. <laughs> <laughs> I did like but that gag, actually. I, I, was- I did like both of them. Yeah, Outstanding's great. Uh, and my final question is who, or what is the name, another name one, of the man that gets shot into Homer? Is it the Great Giuseppe? or the Nearly. Fate? I'll give you one more try. So it's, just, it's something Giuseppe. What is he doing? Oh, he's the flying Giuseppe. Flying Giuseppe. Giuseppe, well done. <laughs> uh, do I have one more for you, or is that it? Well, I've got thought? no more, but you can hit me with one more if you've got one. Do you have one? That is a question. Okay, That's my what, final question. What is the name of the pig act at the circus? Oh, I didn't pay attention to that either. What was it? Ooh, they've re-bra- been rebranded as the Sultry Sows of the South Seas. <laughs> Where, was that on a sign or something? I it was on the, on the sign above their cage. <laughs> okay. All right, well, that is trivia for the dad who knew too little. We'll be right back after this short break with our full in-depth review. Oh, yeah. Yes, it is time for us to give some shout-outs to those lovely patrons out there who continue to support the show each and every week. Kicking off with our $100 patrons, Sarif, Chris Dixon, and Chris Reynolds. Thank you so much, guys. Also, shout-outs to our $20 patrons for the month, Jonathan Rossi, Dylan Haggett, Jordan Moleman, Richie, Zach Pruitt from the You Can't Disappoint a Podcast, Kevin Dental Plan Flood, Andrew Zer, our man from Melbourne, Kane Von Nagy, Christopher Darby, Joel Yoland, Nick Barbaro, Katie G, Daniel Kotnick, Shannon Hofer, Jenna Rice, Reese Roberts, Adam Sanderson, Matt Thompson, George McMenemy, my wrestling buddy, Keith Nedham, our resident baker, Stephen Roberts, Ben Smith, Sean Devey, Glad to hear your nose is doing better, buddy. Bella Winderbank, the iconic June fucking Richards, David Stewart, Tom Pickering, Mark Boston Burgess, and our man, Groundskeeper Noah. Also, shout-outs to the following new $5-plus patrons. 
Ben Balanza Tagoe, Jack Sharp, Benjamin Sinclair, and Bo Wills. Absolute champions. Don't forget, guys, if you do enjoy the show and you want to show some support, you can join the Four Finger Discount family at patreon.com slash fourfingerdiscount, where for as little as $1 per month, you can join the Facebook group, get access to a bunch of exclusive podcasts, and more. Patreon.com slash fourfingerdiscount. But for now, sit back and enjoy our review of The Dad Who Knew Too Little. The original air date of The Dad Who Knew Too Little was January 12, 2003. Guest starred Elliot Gould, as we have mentioned. Mm-hmm. Couch Gag was a take on Lunch Atop a Skyscraper, with the Simpsons all dressed as construction workers. I think I actually have that here, like a the big poster of picture. it framed. Yeah. It's one of my favourite photographs. I just love that one. It is. Nicola's got a poster of, or maybe it's just a smaller one, of the Friends cast doing something similar. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and there was no uh, chalk gag for this episode, but the episode kicks off with... Speaking of Elliot Gould, the kids watching Pads, which is a take on Cribs, a show that we've mentioned several times lately on this show, Cribs, MTV Cribs. They're going to be doing a tour of Krusty's house. Of course, Krusty's hungover, doesn't realise it's going to be today. And then, what, 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 I missed the first part. Who were the two people that um, made music in the chair? Don Adams, star of Get Smart, and uh, Shelley Winters, Oscar-winning star of The Poseidon Adventure and many other movies. Did they ever make music? I would hope not, looking at the two of them. <laughs> <laughs> in all honesty, I think Shelley Winters would break Don Adams in half. They never did actually sell that chair. No one wanted it, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and by the way, something this episode gets very, very right yep. is quote-unquote cool reality TV shows from the early 2000s. All the awful sort of zoom-ins and weird camera angles and sort of strange edits. Today, yeah. Uh, yeah, but it was a very, very early 2000s thing in this particular way. And I was watching, I was having like a full-bodied nervous flashback, just, Ugh, oh, that's gross. <laughs> <laughs> what else do we have here at Krusty's house? We've got the pool that's full of shrimp shells. <laughs> ah! Then we get Elliot Gould coming over to punch Krusty because he's monkey bit his kid again. Krasovsky! Why, look, it's my celebrity neighbour, Elliot Gould. Your monkey bit my kid again. Well, if he would stop wearing the banana suntan lotion. Say hello to Bob. <coughs> and Carol. God. And Ted. <coughs> and Alice. Oh, oh that's good. good. And you keep your lousy dog off my lawn. Elliot Gould, it's just got one of those unique voices that you just know who exactly who it is. But he's just, he's, he's one of those voices where he can say anything and it just sounds funny. He's got tremendous comic timing. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's marvellous, marvellous Elliot Gould. Love him a lot. The kids then see the commercial for the Turbo Diary. This reminded me of just watching cartoons as a kid. I, I never realised how much my childhood was spent watching commercials. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing, though. I mean, I think we've talked about in the past how sometimes you will go down a YouTube rabbit hole of not tracking down old shows, but tracking down old commercials. Yeah. And just like, giving yourself a lovely little nostalgia bath. And it, it says something when you can sort of quote the commercials. Oh, word yeah. by word. <laughs> I don't know what I'll get if I dial 131332, but I'd certainly remember the number. <laughs> I, I hope it's that kid. <laughs> Lisa then goes to ask her parents for the diary because her birthday is coming up. But as Homer says, nobody likes a shill, but she sells the diary. And he says, all right, we'll get, a, we'll get to the diary. <laughs> by the way, yes, from Girl Tech, a division of Boy Tech. Good, like good line. That, yes. I didn't really get... Well, I got it, but I didn't really think it was that funny when Marge was like, it's important for every girl to have her own diary. I had to share mine with my uncle. I was like, mm. what? Where's, where's the gag? 
yeah, I guess it's one of those ones. Awkward. (laughs) But they cut away from it so fast. Usually the awkward needs a moment or two to sort of sink in. Yeah, you and, need and someone let you, and let you feel awkward, but it just yeah. cuts straight away so fast. Yeah, yeah, you need to sit on Marge for a second, or you need a cutaway to someone going, "Woo!" Yeah, what? Yeah, <laughs> we're now at the shopping center, and Homer eats all the free samples in sight. This next part, so the the start of this episode, I thought was quite weak. So I I originally had a note here saying, "I hope it improves from here," <laughs> and I really rolled my eyes at Homer eating the men's slacks. I was like, "What is going on?" Not a great gag, but burdened with a. Terrible punchline. But the better than Indian food? Yeah. yeah how, I'm like, who the... F- Matt, what are you doing, mate? This, you're Matt, better than this. Yeah. Who doesn't like Indian food? Exactly. <laughs> like, fucking, I, I never ate Indian food as a kid because I just assumed I wouldn't like it. I, I don't like spicy food. And then I met Nicola. Nicola's like, you can get it mild. I'm like, well... <laughs> <laughs> she slapped a plate of butter chicken in front of you and you were never the same. Fun fact about Dando, never tried butter chicken. I think I may have mentioned this on the podcast. It's like the chicken parmy of Indian foods, but I've never tried it. I've always been like a, a chicken korma or a, <laughs> a beef rogan josh or something. I've never tried butter chicken. That was a fun fact about Dando. I must admit, it's not really on the top of my list when I'm ordering Indian. You're right. It is kind of the um, the starter pack <laughs> for uh, for people trying Indian. But uh, look, it's... I've had it once or twice. It's not bad, but uh, no, I'll definitely go for a nice lamb Rogan Josh or a tandoori chicken. Tandoori chicken is very, very delicious. Yeah. Are you a garlic and cheese naan, plain naan or garlic naan? I am a garlic and cheese naan guy, but mm-hmm. also my Indian joint of choice does a chili naan that's really Ooh. good. What's your Indian joint of choice? Is it the one on Packington Street? It is. Uh, not, yes, yeah. Um, down the... Down the Telegraph. Yeah, hotel, yeah, the Telegraph yeah, Hotel called the Tandoori. Yes. Good joint. I, I'm assuming they do a good Tandoori chicken there. They do. So Nic- Nicola, right? Another fun fact about Nicola. She has coconut naan. Did you know you can have coconut naan? What? Yeah, it's really good. So if you ever have an Indian food, guys, get an extra naan, get a coconut naan. Let us know what you think. <laughs> it's a very, very food-centric episode, this one. As I said, I don't think we've... We've gone a little too far past lunch, and it's a little too early for dinner. Got it. But while I was having a so sh- hungry. while I was preparing for this episode, having a shower because you know I need to be clean for the episode. Eating <laughs> tandoori chicken. Singing. What's for dinner tonight? And then all of a sudden, it's like, you know, I could really go some bangers and mash. I'm going to go find some just awesome big fat sausages. Exotic some- European sausage, as you said earlier. That is correct. <laughs> so yeah, uh, but now you got me thinking. I might just dial in some Indian. Why not? You can never fail. Never, ever fail. Okay. We now return you to the dad who knew too little. They are trying to get the Turbo Diary from the wise guy, but unfortunately they're all sold out. Yes. Uh, He sold the last one to Mr. Burns. He starts listing off his enemies or something. Yeah, the the Kingston Trio, which um, I think was a vocal band or something. Okay. Homer steals it off him and we get the... the, What's the term? Fuck, I should have known Electrocution? Access denied. Oh, access denied. Unauthorized user, access denied. That's That's what it says. Yes. So, yeah, so Homer gets electrified by that. The wise guy then offers the Tickle Me Krusty, the most popular toy of 1999. <laughs> Obviously a take on... Turbo Man, uh, tickle, uh, tickle Me Elmo, I'd say. Oh, yes. but I think Turbo Man was based on things like Furbies and <laughs> Tickle Me Elmo's things like... Well, they just... They're all sold out. No one knew. But, by the way, guys, if you're a fan of Jingle All The Way, I know Guy Davis... You've never seen it, I don't think? I've seen it. <laughs> you've seen it? Okay. Once. If, if you grew up... <laughs> If you yeah, if you grew up in the nineties and you liked the movie Jingle All the Way, it has a sort of like a nostalgia uh, feeling for me. 
Turbo Man is now available as an actual toy. We have it at work and it's <laughs> actually legit. You can check out a commercial starring me on the Pop Culture Facebook page uh, <laughs> showing off the Turbo Man toy. It's worth checking out. Uh, yeah, let us know what you think. It's um, the, the, the figure itself, amazing. I'm totally going to get Elliot one for Christmas. And nice. It's really, really good. <laughs> but the uh, what, what are the things that the Krusty toy says? I'm an, anatomically correct. Rick, check and see. Have a look. <laughs> uh, I wonder what mommy's medicine tastes like, things like that. <laughs> we then see Flanders... Checking out. Oh, I like the way he, this starts off. Shop of the morning to you, Homer. <laughs> I like the netisms lately. Really, really They're good. They're bad, are they? But the response from Homer is really bad. What are you up to, Flanders? Jerk stuff? I was like, what the hell? It was It was <laughs> that's the worst so lame that I actually kind of laughed at it. I, I was like, okay, that's a trifecta of shit so far. The marsh <laughs> line, the eating the fucking slacks, and now jerk stuff. I was like, this can't possibly get any worse but it doesn't it gets much better so then Flanders shows Homer the, sh- the make your kid a movie star video Kiosk Productions presents an outer space adventure starring you one day while flying your spaceship you saw a planet and decided to land greetings I am Commander Brad welcome Earthling what are your hobbies? My hobbies include... Being quiet during trips, clapping with songs, and diabetes. Sounds like fun! Let's party! Hey, your kid is in the movie! And the movie knows his name! Maybe Lisa will like this better than the diary! Stupid Flanders, you're a genius! Lisa then starts opening her presents and she gets the laser pointer from Bart. Laser pointers were all the thing. They, in this era, weren't they? They were, yes, but then got quickly banned and outlawed because people were messing around with planes or... Were they really? Uh, maybe that's an urban legend. <laughs> an urban legend. I remember when kids at school would shine it on like, the teacher's forehead and stuff. And we'd all have a bit of a giggle and the teacher would have no idea why we're giggling. But um, yeah, I can understand how some people would take it one step too far and fuck things up like that, yeah. Mm. People. Ruin it for everybody yeah, else. People just ruin it for people. Yep, exactly right. So she gets a laser pointer. She's a big fan of it. Seed plant, mind you, for the end of the episode. That is true. Yeah. Then Bart takes it because it's basically it's a present that Bart gets for Lisa, but he knows he wants to use it as well. Yeah. Kind of like the, the bowling ball for, for, for Marge, but he points it on Skinner's crotch. What do you think of the get that red dot checked out gag? <laughs> I know you do like Wiggum. I do, and I like the term crotch dot, so it's a win-win. <laughs> <laughs> then... <laughs> Lisa gets her present and it looks like it's a book. So she thinks, yeah, some kind of book. I do like it when Homer is setting someone up for a fail. <laughs> hedging, his, hedging his bets. Yeah. Yes and no, Ooh. but mostly no. Mostly. <laughs> That's a similar We've We line. had something like that just recently, didn't we? Yeah, with Skinner last week with the mm. three, uh, two, uh, two hours or three. Yes. He's going to return from Agnes, something like that. Maybe less, but probably more. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> Then she realizes it's a videotape, which isn't the diary. Marge is a bit annoyed, but, you know, she's going, Lisa's going to be polite. She's going to check it out anyway. And, um, yeah, it's not a great present for Lisa, is it? It's not a great present for anyone. <laughs> your, your worst enemy would probably go, mm. <laughs> no, it's uh, the sentiment is there. The thought is there. I mean, I imagine. Yeah, Homer you- thought he was getting a good present. That's why I can't hate Homer for this. He does, He does the wrong thing, but it wasn't. Malicious or anyway, you know what I mean. Yeah. It was just he just he just did the wrong thing by accident. And I think in say two thousand three or earlier, this would be the height of technology. 
<laughs> wow, yeah. it's a movie with me in it. Fantastic. Yeah. Even in 2003, it would have been close to it. It still would have been a thing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but... Uh, he says that Maggie's her best friend. I like this. This actually was one of my favourite moments. Maggie, you're her best friend. Get Don't talk friend. to her. <laughs> <laughs> then Homer you know, says to Marge, well, children don't remember bad birthdays, do they? Do you ever, did you ever have a bad birthday? Or did you have a, pa- a party of some kind where it just didn't go to plan and you, it just stayed with you? This is a bit sad. It was actually my 40th. Mm. Okay. What happened? Um, I wasn't bad, but I think I'd reached that stage... Hopefully, I'm speaking for a lot of people when they say you've got different groups of friends for the different aspects of your life. Yep, you know, for sure. Yeah, you got your work friends, you got uh, your old school friends, you got your new got friends. My, got, all this. I got my wrestling buddies. I've got my workmates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here I am, about to turn forty, thinking, "Wow, all these people have me in common. Let's bring them all together, and you know, they'll mix and, mix and match, and uh, everyone will relev- revel in the, yes, the knowledge of guy." That's not what happened. <laughs> Everyone was perfectly nice to one another, but groups went off to various sections of the room and stayed talking to one another. There was not a, oh, okay. not a whole lot of mingling going on. It wasn't bad by any stretch of the imagination, but I was like, why don't you people all get together? <laughs> well, you should have pulled like an Artie Ziff and just start dancing in the middle of the room all awkwardly. <laughs> what makes you think I didn't? <laughs> don't look at me. <laughs> so... So you didn't have a good day? I had I had a perfectly good day, but at the same time I was thinking... No one else is having a good day. People are, oh, it seemed like everyone was having a good time, but I'm betting that, you know, and this is just me being down on myself, they all went home thinking, mm, don't know if that party was all that great. <laughs> <laughs> I think the last two birthdays have probably been the worst because purely COVID. So anyone who's celebrated their birthdays during lockdown, I feel you. It's just, not that it's, terrible but it just doesn't feel like a birthday does it because i mean you, you're the same it just yeah you, you have your, your closest loved ones like that you live with but that's it pretty much yeah i mean it mean, means less presents there's <laughs> <Is> that too <laughs> anyway getting back to the episode so homer come out from commercial homer asked lisa um if she's cried at all the anger yet but no she has not then asked Lisa what her she's basically trying to find out some more information about it who's your favorite traveling wilbur who's your favorite traveling wilbur it's funny they mentioned Jeff Lynn. I'm a big ELO. It is Jeff Lynn. I'm a big yeah. ELO guy. So uh, yep. yeah, The more I look back, it's like, wow, what lot, a super group. A lot of talent in the Wilburys. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when Jeff Lynn is kind of like the, the weak one, the Ringo of your group. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing all right. Because who, who was it? There was Dylan, uh, George Harrison. Dylan, no, no, Dylan wasn't in it, was he? I thought it was Orbison. Tom Petty, yeah, George, George Harrison. Harrison, and Jeff Lynne. Or was 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 there five? Was there? Was, was Dylan in there I'd, as well? I want to say Bob Dylan was in there. Let's confirm. I thought Traveling Wilburys were four people, but you could be right. Hang on. I mean, I'm not going to question you. You're usually right about these things. So let's have a look. The band consisted of Bob Dylan. You're correct. George Harrison, Jeff Lynne, Roy. So I didn't realize Dil- Dylan was in there as well. Yeah. So five of them. Fuck, man. Seriously, how does it get much better than that? <laughs> Although there's, uh, there was that meme going around. This won't apply to you being a, a spring chicken that you are. Yeah, yeah. But for older farts like myself, there was a picture going around of the Trevor Wilburys in their heyday. And they'd listed all the ages and like that feeling when you realise that you're older than at least three of the Travelling Wilburys. <laughs> like, no! No! <laughs> Um, but yeah, so she doesn't answer that question. Doesn't answer the question about her favourite cigar size. Ro- is it robust? Robusto? 
Oh, bus door. Yeah. I'm assuming that's big. I'm, I'm a guessing as such. Did you ever smoke cigars? I mean, you're, I've you're, never smoked a cigar in my life, no. My good buddy JP, um, who I've known since I was about six years old. Mm-hmm. Is he the one you went to uni with? He, yeah, JP and I were at uni together. Uh, yep. We were at school and uni together. Uh, but his dad was a, uh, a big cigar guy. Okay. And I think when we hit that experimental age, well, all ages are experimental, but when you're starting to you know poke around with certain vices, think about 16, 17 or so. I remember we maybe pinched one of his cigars and um, I think we might have cut it in half and like smoked half each. <laughs> um, trying to appear all... Because this, this was the 80s and I think we had watched Wall Street a lot. We were trying to be like Gordon Gecko. Yep. <laughs> it's like how everyone now tries to be like uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Correct, yes. Yeah. So uh, we thought, hmm, cigars will uh, add to the picture of <laughs> make these uh, small town 17 and 16-year-olds look very, very sophisticated. Cigars. That's good. <laughs> Homer is now sad at Moe's, as he usually is, and Mo mentions how he has a cow heart, apparently. Mo then suggests that he hires Dexter Colt, the private investigator, because he can find out more info from going through dumpsters than years of intimacy. And he, Carl points out that he, uh, he found out who was cobbling his shoes. Turns out that Carl's a schizophrenic. I didn't know that Carl was a schizophrenic. Where was Lenny in this scene, by the way? That's true. I mean, I was expecting them to pan over to, to Lenny to being the, the cobbler of, uh, of, of Carl's shoes. Yeah. I did not see him at all. And by the way, the, all the quote-unquote dark jokes... Uh, or in this in this scene, are really just sad jokes or in bad taste. I don't know if it's changing times or whatever, but the, yeah, the schizophrenia thing didn't really land. The whole thing about Mo saying, well, maybe I'll be a swan. I don't know. They just felt... It, it, it was more pathetic than funny, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah and I mean, not, the, not the funny, pathetic like Gil. It was just like, oh, okay, I kind of feel bad for Mo now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even a really black gag like Mo sticking his head in the oven with no funeral on the back. It's like... <laughs> that's so great. That's Yeah, that's... That kind of works. It's just like, oh my god, yeah, no, but no funeral. Is, yeah, and this is just kind of like, mm. <laughs> yeah. It's like a person that comes to a party and that is always depressed. They find the negative in everything. It's like, oh my god, why did we but, invite you? Yes, Homer then goes to see Dexter at his office, and we've got various businesses here. I did like the Hard Luck Cafe and just mm. the the one that just said neon signs, neon signs, <laughs> and uh, Hungover Hamlet. That's right. That's correct. Yes, he then sees a newspaper on the wall, and he thinks that you know that normally Dexter would be the uh, the, the cop they're talking mm-hmm. about here, but no, he actually won a cooking contest, which I, I didn't mind. What can I do for you? My name is Homer Simpson, and I desperately need your help. Let me guess, it's about a girl. <gasps> How did you know? It's always a dame, usually with gams that don't quit till they get to the shoes, and then they're only napping. Craigslist. <laughs> Hope then gives out the email, as we said earlier, and they repeat it time and time again just to make you at home. It's kind of like one of those things where you go, all right, they've said it once, move along. But if they're repeating it, you must think, maybe this is real. And that's what made me look it up. And yeah, it actually is a real thing. So I'll, as I said, I'll let you guys know on next week's episode whether I get a reply from Matt Salmon. Dexter then goes through uh, Lisa's locker and turns out that Willie... It has a striking resemblance to the Aberdeen Strangler. Mm. Willie has a lot of uh, skeletons in that closet, doesn't he? It absolutely shack of his. does. <laughs> Under that kilt. Yes. He then asks Skinner for Lisa's permanent record in order to uh, to bribe him, or to bribe him, just to uh, blackmail him. He staples all these sheets together 
so that he gives uh, him the, the permanent record. And then Nelson gives Dexter the Secret Garden by Lisa Simpson, which all these things here, again, come into play later on in the episode when he's framing her. Uh, so I did like the fact that he planted these seeds without you realising they're being planted. It's Yeah, it's, it's a solidly plotted episode. Yeah. It's just poorly decorated, you might somewhat, say. Somewhat, somewhat rushed at the end, yes. yeah. It's, it's a well-built building that is got a lot of ugly stuff on the walls. <laughs> we then get... Uh, Nelson being given his photo with Snow White. I thought this joke went a couple of lines too long. It would have just been funny just to hand him the photo yes. of him with Snow White. Everyone knows it's not real, but that just to dumb it down, they went, you do realise she's just an actress. Yes. It's like, Some of us prefer illusion to despair. It's like, mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. It's just dragging just a little le- bit too long and not, for, and not with any discernible payoff. To just have Nelson hug the photo. That's all it needed. He's a yeah. child. Yeah. A visual gag of yeah, Nelson, yeah, Nelson the tough as nails bully, uh, being all a swoon over Snow White. Good visual gag by itself. Yep. Just leave it at that. He then goes to speak to Ralph. I didn't mind this. Oh, man, someone's already <laughs> worked this guy over. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, the, the nice visual of Ralph with just chocolate ice cream all over his face. Yeah. But that works. Homer then finds the book of all the info on, uh, on his car at work. Uh, the information I've been waiting for. So far, it's so good. <gasps> Lisa's pet peeve is phonies? I thought she loved them. Lisa then overhears Miles Davis' Birth of the Cool playing downstairs. A pretty red album. Yeah, you'd be a fan of Miles Davis, right? I do like Miles. Saw him live when he came to Melbourne back in the late 80s. Wow, we. Not a bad show, although Miles was kind of at the stage where he didn't really interact with the audience that much, although he, that was never really his thing. So he was sort of walking all around the stage, hiding behind other things, occasionally behind the drum kit. It's like, dude, we came to see you. <laughs> Get back out here. Play trumpet. <laughs> As a child of the 90s, I also always associate Miles Davis with peeing your pants. <laughs> <laughs> Adam Sandler did Miles a solid there. It's like... <laughs> Peeing your pants is cool. I'm Miles Davis. Yeah. That's, oh, what does he say? That's the grossest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Do you think 20 years on, people can look back on those films now, knowing how much of a dude Adam Sandler is, and just enjoy those films without having to over-critique them? I reckon because so. I, I, I grew up with them, so I've always enjoyed them. But I know a lot of people who were a bit older when those films came out went, oh, God, they're so stupid, those films. I can understand why they would have thought that at the time, but I think you can look back now and go, ah, Adam Sandler. You know, I think so. I mean, I think he's he's built up enough goodwill that you kind of go, yeah. Even these bad ones of you know, he's got all his mates together and he's got some weird stuff in there. Look, Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore is they're the duo, a, unimpeachable one-two punch. It's like, okay, we well, can sort of cruise well, what, what, on those for a little while afterwards and occasionally do something that really stands out. Waterboy's an okay dessert as well. It is, yeah. But, uh, yeah, say something like Little Nicky or... Um, I, I think I, I stopped at Big Daddy. I think that was it for me. Because mm. then you had Jack and Jill. I, mean, I remember seeing Mr. Deeds at once. Mr. Deeds is very forgettable, I think. Yeah. John Turturro is pretty funny, isn't it? Uh, okay. Jack and Jill, actually, it's got a bit of a second life, particularly, you know, among certain nerds on Twitter, purely for Dunkachino. Oh, yes, you've said that for the, the Al Pacino yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everybody loves Dunkachino. And there are so many remixes of it as well. I mean, uh, someone's put up the um, uh, the Japanese language version, which is uh, a Japanese dub, which sounds great. Someone did this really weird thing where it speeds up every time Pacino says Dunkachino. 
Oh, okay. So, so they, this was the steamed ham scene, just variations on yeah. the, the wackiest shit. Yeah. <laughs> and just using it as a mean too. I mean, you know, anytime someone says something that you agree with, you just put up um, Pacino holding out the coffee cup saying, don't mind if I do. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you showed him, didn't you show a meme recently that had, Want to touch the Heidi? Was that you? <laughs> Abusing that one a bit, actually. Lately. <laughs> any, any type say, you know who's cute is that uh, Anya Taylor-Joy. I'm like, so hot. <laughs> Want to touch the Heidi? <laughs> oh, Billy Madison. Good mm. Anyway, enough about Miles Davis and Billy Madison. And yeah. all <laughs> we now return Miles. you again to the man who knew too little. The dad who knew too little. <laughs> then we, um, so Lisa says he basically, you know, you're not going to win me over this. You don't know enough about me, blah, blah, blah. You, so you know one thing, whatever. Uh, Homer then suggests that they go to an animal rights protest and he slowly starts to win her over with this and he offers, after that, we'll go get your favourite treat, ice cream. <laughs> We're now at the protest, which again plays into the episode a little bit later. Uh, they want to gradually phase out the animal testing over the next three years. Yes. I like this. <laughs> when do we want it? Over the, the next, next three, three years. years. <laughs> Because Lisa points out on the um, on the news report that they're doing tests on monkeys with cigarettes. They're putting makeup on pigs, uh, all the cosmetics and whatnot. And Homer here, what's he say? So sad, so sexy, so delicious. Yeah. I, I can hear you saying that. <laughs> I was thinking it. He's, he's saying what we're all thinking. So we're back at home now, and Lisa, she just can't believe that Homer knows so much about her. You know, I've, I've got, got you all wrong, Dad. You actually do know me well. And Homer nearly lets it slip, doesn't he? Mm. He lets the report. Um, he almost gives it away. Yes, in, in, implying that report is actually a daddy word for loves his daughter. Homer then goes to see Dexter. Uh, he now he's, he's so thankful, you know, now he wants to get Bart and, and Maggie, <laughs> all, all that, you know, be, go super dad on all their asses. But then he refuses to pay the $1,000 because th- Dexter was doing things like the $40 steak. Which he getting... did. <laughs> I love it. That was actually a pretty good joke. Like, would have been free if I'd finished it. <laughs> <laughs> At the silver bullet, I thought she was a werewolf. <laughs> Didn't go anywhere. <laughs> So he wastes all his money. Um, so he wants the thousand dollars. Homer slips out, takes his shirt off, jumps out the window. He refuses to, to pay the thousand dollars. I can't believe a man who followed my daughter around for money has turned out to be a dirtbag. <laughs> Homer, Lisa, and Bart are then watching the news report on the animal testing lab that has been uh, just ransacked and, and destroyed. All the animals have been taken. Yeah, it's got the PTETA graffiti on the wall, which uh, stands for Preteens for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. Correct. Yes. It turns out that Lisa has been set up, obviously, by Dexter Colt because they find mm. the, the little garden. Was it little garden? Secret garden. Secret, Secret garden, garden, yes. By Lisa Simpson. I was framed. You believe me, don't you, Dad? Of course I do. It's all my fault for refusing to pay. Pay attention to you, my sweet little father-loving pile of forgiveness. Yes. Ralph is now at the door. <laughs> Come out with your arms up. Yep. <laughs> Do a little wave. Marge then says that she's, uh, you know, she's innocent. You can't do this. She's innocent until proven guilty. Races off. This was a great wig on line. Would an innocent person flee? No, no, no. Tell me. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Clancy's getting a lot of airtime recently, and uh, I've yeah. got to say, I'm all for it. Yeah. We now got the car chase, the bridge, outstanding. That was. A, it's always great when they do those kind of gags. Mm. Marge is at home, worried about what Marge and uh, what, what Homer and Lisa might be doing. So Bart. To take her mind off things, throws his food into the fan. Also knows that Maggie also too throws her food on the floor just to, to join in. <laughs> I did hear that at the very end, yeah. yeah. i got to say, I believe, not to jump ahead too far, but next week's episode I believe is a Marge-centric one and I'm kind of looking forward. I think Marge has been sidelined 
Lately. I've heard the episode though is a, a shocker. Oh no! <laughs> but you know, go in with very low expectations, and it could be pleasant. It could, it could be pleasantly surprised. <laughs> you might be pleasantly surprised. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but it's, it's a, I think it's when Marge does bodybuilding or something. I'm not too sure, but uh, yeah. So let's go in with low expectations. Uh, uh, season fourteen. Go in with low expectations <laughs> at all times. But uh, Homer and Lisa are now. Uh, on the run, and they're over here. The um, the radio report. You know, a girl with a red wearing a red lampshade. <laughs> <laughs> they blacken out their hair in the car. Lisa feels like a Powerpuff Girl, and Homer feels like Elvis. Elvis. As I said, the hair falls off. Yep. Nice sound effect too. Just like <laughs> yeah, yeah. They then arrive at the Three Seasons Motel. Uh, Lisa calls herself Lady Penelope Ariel Merriweather, and Homer is was it Rocco Strong? Rock Ro- Strongo? I think it was Rock Strongo. Rock Strongo. Good name. Strong name. Uh, yeah, the, the clerk ain't buying it though, so no. what's the replacement? Lance Uppercut. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Mr. I Uppercut. think I like Rock Stronger. <laughs> yes, definitely. Puts on the black, gas- uh, black glasses and <laughs> puts a little angry eyebrows. Angry eyebrows is great. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Homer then calls Marge. This, I, I liked it that we didn't have to see them set this up, but that it's in sync. Mm. You know, the, the phone survey. A, the cops are there. Or B, <laughs> you are free to talk. <laughs> <laughs> I would vote, uh, you know, uh, proposition hugs for Lisa. Hug Lisa for me has my full support. Homer then comes clean. Oh, it doesn't come clean. He just fucks it up for himself. <laughs> <laughs> and then we come here and we'll go after them right after dinner. <laughs> Lisa is then thankful to be on the run with Homer because, you know, he's been great lately. It's been fun spending time with him. But this is where he just can't hold it in anymore and he comes clean with her about Dex Coulter. Dexter, Dexter, Dexter Col- Dex Coulter. Dexter Colt. I've got it written wrong in my notes. It works either way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lisa, you know, she can't believe it. She's really angry. You know, but all the childish drunks at most thought it was a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> then we get the um, him painting the black uh, tears on his face. The cops then arrive... Homer is about to come out. He struggles to get out the window. Oh. They're really hard to squeeze through. They're walking through the forest. Lisa's still annoyed. He says he should be happy, you know, in your all natural existence. Hey, a trash can. They're going through the <laughs> trash can. They discover a banana filled with cigarette Cigarettes. butts. And this is where they discover the circus, which consists of all the animals that Dexter Colt stole from the animal testing lab. All the seeds from earlier are starting to bloom. Mm, they sure are. Dexter Colt then arrives and he threatens to shoot Homer with a flying Giuseppe. A, a reference here to Homer Palooza, and I liked it. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, Thing is, that. though, in Homer Palooza, they say that if he takes one more shot to the stomach, he will die. Mm. What does he do here? Takes, takes a shot, shot to, to the, the stomach. stomach. Not dead. Not dead. <laughs> <laughs> flying Giuseppe thinks that he's made his back better. Nope, it's actually made it much worse. Oh. <laughs> Homer then goes to hide behind the. What are those things called that the picture walls where you got a you know, sexy lady and a big bodybuilder d- man? That's a really good question, and I wouldn't even know how to Google it. Neither would I. Because it like, reminds me of the ending of Greece. You know when the guy's got the dog next mm, to him? Yeah. <laughs> Photo picture board? Yeah, something Boardwalk? like that, I'm assuming. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. But then he goes into the Hall of Mirrors. You can't shoot all of us. <laughs> uh, I'm a sucker for a good Hall of Mirrors finale. You know, you yeah. get them in a lot of detective movies, like uh, like one Dexter Colt might have uh, stepped out of, but occasionally show up in a good horror movie as well. Always a, just a, a good way to create a bit of disturbance and unsettlingness. Definitely. Not, not definitely necessarily a word, but let's go with it for this time. <laughs> so he sees Homer, shoots him straight away. Damn it! <laughs> Homer then points out, or he doesn't realise Lisa is there, but he points out that you know, Lisa has excellent hearing. She wants to overheard me sobbing in a, in a cupboard somewhere. Lisa then arrives, says, oh my God, Dad, you do know something about me? He uses the laser pointer. 
How ironic. Now he's blind after a life of enjoying being able to see. <laughs> the cops then arrive to arrest Dexter Colt. Actually, before we wrap this up, we mm-hmm. didn't discuss what he was based on. True, yes. Now, I was looking this up and, of course, uh, Dexter Colt is paying a bit of tribute to detective and crime movie anti-heroes of the 40s and 50s. Mm. Guys like Humphrey Bogart and Robert Mitchum. I think they based a lot of the look for Dexter yep. Cold on Robert Mitchum, but something, I think Hank basically borrowed the voice from Robert Stack. Correct, yes. Um, who has a lot of a uh, lot of such shows to his credit. I mean, he's probably best known as the host of Unsolved Mysteries. Oh, is, he, is that, that's the guy, okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah, back in the day, the original series of that. Yep, yep. Yeah. What, 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 people my age, what else will we know him from? What, what, what are some of the shows he starred in? Do you know off the top of your head or? He was, he, he was Elliot Ness in The Untouchables. The was he? Ori- okay. Yeah, the original yeah. Untouchables, the TV one from the 50s. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, sort of had a bit of a career resurgence uh, hosting Unsolved Mysteries. Cause he, he that looked, was a big deal, that show, yeah. when it first came out. He looks like he was born to play a cop or a, or a private eye or something like that. He's got that very, you know, bit of a stern look about him. But voice very bit, handsome. <laughs> voice a bit like this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, sort of no nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> Do you feel like he could have hosted the Twilight Zone? Yeah, I wouldn't put it past him. Yeah. Yeah, got that very sort of... When I speak, you listen. Yes. And looks like he'd be at home smoking a cigarette while you're about to take a trip into the Twilight Zone. No yeah. dice. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, as we said, the cops have come to arrest him, take him away. Lisa loves Homer again. I've just got here. That was fast. But then all the animals get released into the wild by Homer. They end up at Cletus's shack. And uh, Brandine says if she finds pig lipstick on his neck again, he's going to be s- s- not sleeping in the sty anymore. Lisa is then, during the credits, oh, oh, oh. Yep. Yes, during Great the credits, gag. writing uh, in her diary, Bart takes it. I thought they were going to take the, the, the stupid, route, stupid route here with Bart just getting zapped by it. No, takes it to Homer. I was like, this is classic Simpsons, you know, yeah. just Homer getting victimized by Bart. That feels very first or second season. Simpsons. It does, yeah, and I, I like that. Just it just has that sort of old school vibe to it. So it was a nice way to end the episode. Did it have anything over the Gracie? No, it did not. Just, no, it did not. Okay, just the traditional. <laughs> so the dad who knew too little is uh, an enjoyable episode, uh, rehashed as we said, but it has a bit of a twist on it with the uh, the Dexter Dexter Colt, not Dex Coulter. I liked various. It had its funny moments. I thought the start had a few roll my eye gags there, but there was enough to enjoy where I give this episode a thumbs up. What about yourself? I would agree with you on that point, Dano. Yeah, I mean certainly some real dips in the road. So, this is not even. No. This is always death. Hey, hey, hey. This is not even unfunny. This is just crap. Uh, yeah. But it, then it would hit a nice little uh, upswing. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Did all right. Cruise along for a bit. Occasional pothole. It's a really laboured metaphor with this road thing. But, you know, it's a road trip episode to some degree. So, yeah, not terrible. <laughs> Guy says, not terrible. <laughs> what, what, not terrible. What's out of five for you? Is that like your three out of five? I was thinking about this when uh, when we started the episode and watching this particular episode, The Simpsons. Something I was talking about the other day with um, some reviewer pals and how yeah, were they all talking to themselves at your birthday party? You they think? were, yeah. And I was just like <laughs> looking into a mirror, having a really good conversation with this, with myself. Uh, but something I've learned over years and years of reviewing is that the bulk of stuff, maybe eighty five percent of stuff, 
mm. is three stars, maybe three and a half. Yep. You know, occasionally get a five-star masterpiece, occasionally get a zero-stars loser. Most everything is fine, not bad. So um, out of five for this particular episode, I'd probably give it a, like a 2.5, verging on a three. Okay. Some will say 2.75. Wow. Two or three quarters. <gasps> I could do that? What did we learn, Palmer? So what did you learn from the episode, Mr. Davis? Uh, that crotch dot is, uh, is no joke. Treat it oh. seriously. Yes, from experience, I can tell you it certainly is not. <laughs> I learned that you do not want to take an uppercut from one Elliot Gould. Hell no. Was, was that Bob or Carol? I'm not too sure, but both just as damaging. Oh, yeah. They're nasty. From this day forward, your names will be... It is time for the new names for the dad who knew too little. The current leaderboard stands at this in third position, all on three points. We have Declan Phoenix, D.L. Gorman, Nick Patterson. Oh, Nick Patterson's actually in second now. I'll scratch him off the third. Hang on one second. There you are, Nick Patterson. So we've got Declan Phoenix, D.L. Gorman, James Proctor, Garoad Harrowhill, all on three. In second position, a tie with Luke McKay, Steve Roberts, Thalia Enriquez and Nick Patterson all on four. And Philip Hawkins is a top on seven points. So, the dad who knew too little. What are the new names that have come through this week from our patrons, Mr. Davis? Ooh, the aforementioned Philip Hawkins kicks mm. us off getting one point for the good father. Oh, well done. That's very good. I like it. Yes. Not too bad. Not too bad. Yeah. Two points. To can I interrupt? Because at the end of the day, I was being a good father in this episode. I know hmm. getting a private investigator onto your daughter is kind of, kind of a bad thing to do, but it had all the right intentions. intentions yes. Yes. Oh no. Continue. continue. Two points. <laughs> Two points. Go to D L Gorman. All right, D L. He's hmm. climbing. Or they are climbing their way up the ladder. They are indeed, and uh, they've got them, got themselves an extra two points for in the shame of the father. Oh yes, I like it. Very well played, D L. Good stuff. But three points, the gold medal. Mm-hmm. It's Nick Patterson. Wow, we Nick Patterson. Yeah. Nick's getting a lot of points this season. Well done, Nick. Nick is You're doing really okay. Trying. Well done. Now, whether Nick has cracked the code, uh, knowing that Guy likes anything with a dough in the oh, title. Okay. And I was really trying this time, folks. I was like, don't choose one with a dough in it. They're on to you. <laughs> but... <laughs> This was really good, actually. I thought it worked a treat. Mm-hmm. Nick Patterson, for three points, gave us P.I. P.I. Dope. Oh, well done, Nick. That's good. It's good, isn't it? it, it- <laughs> Very good stuff. All right, so that means we now have outright people in each position. So we have D.L. Gorman in third on mm-hmm. five, Nick Patterson in second on seven points, and Philip Hawkins with that one point. He now gets himself still on top with eight points. Don't forget, guys, if you want to be a part of the Guy Davis Noonan Championship and hopefully win yourself some cold hard cash at the end of the season, you just got to be a patron of Four Finger Discount for as little as $1 per month. So patreon.com slash discount. The link is in the description of this podcast. And not only that, you also get access to the Facebook group where you can just mingle with all the other Four Finger Discount listeners, patrons on there, and have a merry old time. It's a, The only reason I go on Facebook these days is to check out and hang out with our incredible patrons. But for now, Mr. Davis... I think it's time we uh, dip into that mailbag of ours. Dip away. JaVale! JaVale is here! Ooh! All right, first question here comes from Andrew JP. And Andrew says, what's your favorite spy parody movie or TV show? I grew up on Get Smart. Yeah, you can't really go past Get Smart with this one, can you? 
<laughs> no, it's just the, the music's so iconic. I can't remember all too much about what happens in the episodes. I just remember that watching him walking out meant that uh, Wheel of Fortune was about to start <laughs> as a kid. <laughs> I always just love the opening credit sequence with the. He always had some really cool convertible when he pulled up to the building and walking through those various doors and that. And yeah, a lot to enjoy and get smart. Yeah, I think this is really the yeah the be all and end all when it comes to spy parodies. What was Steve Carell like in the film? I barely remember it. The Rock was in it. No shit, really. Yeah, the Rock was in I, the Get Smart. Because I, I, we're watching the uh, the Morning Wars at the moment on Apple TV, mm. and it's got Steve Carell in it. And Nicola's like, I don't think I've ever seen him in anything but the forty year old version. I'm like, Nah, yeah, I've seen, he was in um, Get Smart. She's like, There was a Get Smart movie. I'm like, There was, like, but no one seems to remember it. Not really. No, I mean, it was yeah, again, perfectly fine, but didn't have anything that sort of leapt out at you. Like, oh. oh, it's that movie with that that scene. Or we went through a phase there. We went through. We did movies on old TV shows. I think it was the same time as Starsky and Hutch as well. Yeah, and uh, Miami Vice was another one. They got all these seventies, eighties TV shows and just made movies about them. But they did that in um, in the nineties as well. I mean, there was this huge that- run of well, there was The Fugitive. Uh, mm-hmm. Mission Impossible. Of course, yeah. Uh, they made a Beverly Hillbillies movie. Oh, fuck, of course they did, yeah. yeah. Little Rascals. Yeah, Sergeant Bilko, um, Mikhail's Navy, they made a movie out of. I mean, all these sort of 50s and 60s era sitcoms that uh, the Generation Generation X kind of grew up on. I was like, oh, yeah, we'll throw it in good money to see that the movies are. Wait a minute, most of these suck. <laughs> Our next question here is from Ryan King. Going off the title, what's your favourite Hitchcock film? His is either Psycho or To Catch a Faith. And Liam Reed has commented saying, great question, so many great films. think I'd give preference to Strangers on a Train. So what's yours, Mr. Davis? All of which are good. And by the way, the uh, title that uh, the episode is referencing is The Man Who Knew Too Much, mm-hmm. which I actually believe... Too I much think, or too little? Uh, the Man Who Knew Too Much. And then there too was much, a piss okay. take with Bill Murray called The Man Who Knew Too Little. Okay, that's what uh, I'm thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> I think Hitchcock may have actually made The Man Who Knew Too Much twice like he did oh. a version very early in his career and then he did one later on with jimmy stewart from rear window um, like, uh, like john carpenter did with halloween that is correct um look all good titles that mentioned i would say that my favorite is one called shadow of a doubt mm-hmm. in which uh this young girl is living in a small tent it's like oh nothing exciting ever happens here but wait a minute my cool uncle charlie is coming to visit oh he's just like me and you know he lives in the big city and one day i'm going to be just like him oh wait a minute uncle charlie's a murderer Oh, no. That's never good when your uncle's a murderer. (laughs) (laughs) It's a really good movie, twisted in the best Hitchcock fashion, Um, but, yeah, really well made, really well acted. One that I'd recommend you check out if you can dig it up somewhere. Noah Daniel, what would your alias be? What would yours be, Dando? I don't know why. I haven't used this for a long time, but as a kid, my alias for everything, whether it be like, I know I had Peppermock Dishwasher, but I also had this guy as a separate email. It was my MSN name. Jock Stevens. I don't know why. Wow. But, but I created this character when I was about six, Jock, Jock Stevens. And it's just always been like this, not an alter ego, but if I was ever, ever using a fake name, it's Jock Stevens. I don't know why. It's just this name that I created when I was like six or seven. And it's just stuck with me. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. It's just Jock Stevens. Yeah, I had an alter <laughs> been ego. part of my life for like 20 years. I had an alter ego named Richard. <laughs> um, okay. And it was like, what would Richard do in this situation? <laughs> but if I'm what uh, would Dick do? <laughs> but if I uh, have a wanky alias, it's probably Johnny Uptown. Johnny Uptown. <laughs> That's my PI name. Brian Hughes asks, "Have you ever kept a diary or journal?" 
I remember having a journal when I was like a teenager because it was one of those things where the teachers, it's like at high school they say, you know, keep a journal, keep your thoughts. I think it's a way of sort of expressing your thoughts. You're not letting it all bottle in all the stress of school yes. and everything and being a teenager. Mm. But um, I haven't done it for a long time. What about yourself? I can see you being a journal guy. I, I try to, and I think I've got a lot of half-filled notebooks and journals here. Because, yep. like, you know, jot down your thoughts every day. Get to know yourself a bit better, and then, you know, you can express yourself better. And every every six months or so, ooh, that's a cool notebook. Yes, I'll grab that, and I'll that'll be the journal that I'll fill in from beginning to end. So there's about six of those around the place. Um, but when... Uh, when I was at boarding school, when I was 14 going on 15, they required us to keep a journal of the year. And uh, I've still got that around here somewhere. And I mean, yeah, we had to fill it in every day. One teacher was allowed to sort of look at it just to see that you were doing it. I mean, they could probably no, read no it. No suicidal thoughts or anything like that. Something like that. But we were all very happy kids. <laughs> yeah, but otherwise... and. Yeah, you had to fill it in every day. And yeah, I found a pretty good exercise, actually. I mean, I haven't revisited it in a very long time. I should yep. probably go back and go, God, no wonder I was bullied. I was a dork. I do have a book where if I can remember when I wake up, I do write my dreams into it, what I dreamt yeah. about the night before. Like last night, I literally dreamt, I'd forgotten about it until I looked at it this, when I got home today, it was still on the kitchen bench. I dreamt that I was a co-host with yourself on the Hamish and Andy show and they were buttering us up to take over the show. <laughs> Make it happen. Let's manifest that shit. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Let's make some of that Hamish and Andy money. Um, <laughs> the lovely Louise does that. I mean, uh, she, she'll she uh, keep a pad and pen by the bed to, to jot down her dreams if they're memorable. Because apparently they mean shit. Apparently so. Mm. Yeah. But And as soon as you wake up, I mean, that's when they start to slip through your fingers like sand. you gotta you got to get it jotted down real quick. We'll do one more question here. This one's from Andrew Swan. And he says, what's your favourite show or movie featuring a private detective as the main character? Would you like me to answer this one, Dan? Yeah, you go for it, mate. You're the movie guy. Oh, well, I'll say there are two movies that I really enjoy that have a private eye in the league. Well, there's a lot of private eye movies that I dig. But these have a bit of a supernatural twist, but I really like the movie Constantine. Oh, yeah. With Keanu Reeves. And I don't know if he ever announces himself as a private eye, but he's someone who will work cases for people if they ask him. So I like that. And... A variation on that, and this is one that I like. If if you've got Foxtel and comes with the binge thing, I think you can find it there, although you might be able to find it on YouTube if you look cleverly. It's a movie called Cast a Deadly Spell. And it's okay. set, in, um, set in Hollywood in, I think, the late 1940s, and it's very much like an old-school detective thriller. But uh, the first thing you see on screen is this uh, little caption that says, uh, says, the year was 1949. Everybody use magic, and that's the thing. I mean, everybody's got magical powers, essentially. Okay. Um, and except this one guy who's Imme- immediately you can suspend your disbelief. You can, you can. So yeah. it's a yeah, basically a crime plot, but with some magical twists in it. And it's, cool. uh, it's really, really enjoyable. I like it a lot. Alrighty. Well, that is our review of the dad who knew too little. Next week we will be reviewing the episode that Mr. Davis mentioned earlier, the Marge one, the strong arms of the Ma. Mm-hmm. So. I'm excited, but also, as I said, going in with low expectations. (laughs) Check your expectations. (laughs) That's right. Leave them at the door. All right, guys. Thank you so much again for tuning into the show. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter uh, at Four Finger Pod and on Instagram at Four Finger Discount. Please write into the mailbag, simpsonsmailbag at gmail.com. Continue to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Check us five stars and leave a few kind words. Every review that comes through now, we will read out on the show. And we did have one that come through recently. Let's get in there now and check it out. And we will read it out right now. 
Go right ahead. It's from N-I-J-I-H-B-I-F. <laughs> okay. Excuse me? <laughs> they say, love it. Love the show, guys. It's great to go back to each episode with you both. Keep up the great work. So thank you for leaving that review. And thank you to everyone who's continued to chuck us five stars. We're on 488. We want to try to get to 500. So get on the iTunes app and podcast now. If you haven't done it, if you're able to do so, give us five stars. It would be much appreciated. We want to hit that 500 mark by the end of the year. So we've got a few more months for them. Just 12 more. Five more months. Uh, how many more months? Three more months to get 12 more five-star ratings. All right, guys. So like I said, next week, we're going to be doing the Strong Arms of the Ma, the Marge episode that Mr. Davis mentioned. Thank you once again for tuning into the show. Don't forget, the best way to support the show, if you do enjoy it, is by becoming part of the Four Finger Discount family at patreon.com slash discount. You know what you get in return. We've mentioned it time and time again. For now, Mr. Davis, any final words for those amazing listeners out there? Access denied. Shh.